The Brooklyn Vegan Show is a podcast about music brought to you by the music blog and online record store Brooklyn Vegan. Make sure to subscribe to hear all of our upcoming episodes featuring interviews with musicians and more, and find us 24-7 at brooklynvegan.com, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, welcome to the new episode of the Brooklyn Vegan Show. I'm BV editor Andrew Sacker, and today's episode is a conversation with Ned Russin of Glitterer and previously of the currently dormant band Title Fight. Ned joins us on the show in celebration of Glitterer's new album, Rationale, out now via Anti Records. It's the first album that Ned made with Glitterer as a full band. He had originally started Glitterer just himself at a laptop in 2017. He now has members from the DC Baltimore scene where Ned now lives in the band and Rationale is their first record together. And it's really, really good. As Ned talks about on the episode, it finds him in his loud punk informed comfort zone without sounding like a retread of anything he's done in the past. And I, I think it's a really, really good listen. Our conversation ended up veering towards topics like DIY ethos versus capitalist realities and art versus commerce and the ways in which these things constantly come up in today's cultural landscape, as well as the way they inform the subject matter of Glitterer's new album. I had a really great time talking to Ned about all this stuff, and I also highly recommend checking out the new record, whether you're a longtime Title Fight fan or just anyone who appreciates loud, interesting rock music. I think there's a lot there to like. Before we get to the episode, just a quick heads up that listeners of this podcast can get 30% off their first year subscription to DistroKid by signing up at distrokid.com slash VIP slash Vegan. If you're unfamiliar, DistroKid is a service for musicians that allows you to easily upload your music to all major streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, and more. It allows you to do automatic revenue splits, so collaborators and co-writers can get paid too. It provides you with an artist page that links to your music on all streaming services. It allows you to add lyrics, credits, liner notes, and more. And again, you can get 30% off your first year's membership by signing up at distrokid.com slash VIP slash Vegan. We've also included the link in the description of this episode, and you can click directly from there. And now, here's my conversation with Ned. All right. Hey, Ned, what's up? Thanks for coming on the BV show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so you're you're on tour with Hotelier and Foxy, and they're celebrating some records. Um, I feel like it's kind of a cool repaying the favor thing, like since, you know, Title Fight took out Hotelier when, they, when that record was new. Um, How's it been for you kind of like watching these bands celebrate these classic records every night? It's a really kind of weird thing for me because I've seen the anniversary thing from afar for a long time. Uh, Well, not a long time. I've seen it a decent amount in modern times, Um, you know, and uh, it's just something that always felt like was a little bit removed. You know, it felt like it was something that, the I don't know the people before us were doing because it it never felt like we were I don't know not like we weren't aging but like it felt like time was standing relatively still um and so it's it's odd for me to be in a position where I see like people who are my age from you know the same generation celebrating 10 years of a record in this way and, and people responding in this way um because it makes me feel like old and weird um you know, because it's just, yeah, it's something that I felt like, I don't know, the way I'd seen it before, I felt like, oh, this is, uh, I don't know, people who like, and and this is, I feel like always the, the, the misjudgment is like, 
people who have like, like figured out and they have it like, you know, whatever they now are in a different place in their life and like everything is good and they can, uh, I don't know, feel this way about something that had passed. Uh, and I don't feel that way, you know? And so it's like, it's odd for me to be in that position now, but, uh, I don't know. It's also cool because it's, it's nice to see, I don't know. It's nice to see like people coming together around something, um, you know, so it, and it's, it's nice to be a part of that. It's, uh, so it's, yeah, it, it's, it is definitely like an odd pairing of feelings, but it, overall, I'd say it, it leans positive. I definitely know what you mean. I mean, I caught the New York stop of this tour last leg, which mm-hmm. had Emperor X. Um, yeah. And it's like, um, yeah, like similarly, I feel like when bands I that put out records when I was a young kid would be like, we're going to play it for its 10th anniversary. I'm like, oh, great. I'm an adult now. I was 12 then. I didn't go when I was 12. I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. So it was like to see, like I saw the actual Foxing Hotelier tour when the records were new, sure, you yeah, know, yeah. like, and I'm like, and to think that was a decade ago and to like in your brain reckon with like, that's the same amount of time as it was between like, I don't know, some record from 2002 and 2012, mm-hmm. you know, where like, I mean, yeah. So it's, it, it is that I went through a similar sort of like, this is cool. Also weird. Yeah. It, it, it is a weird <laughs> thing, you know, but it's, I don't know. It's, I guess it's nice that people get to relive these moments, you know? Um, and so I, I'm, I'm happy for the people who like, like you're saying, who missed it the first time around or something or, or whatever, like that's, that's cool and exciting. It just makes me feel like I am older than I think I am. Totally. Um, how have people been responding to the glitterer sets on this tour? Uh, I, we've had a very positive experience. Um, done many tours uh, i've said this recently we've done many tours where we are opening you know and and you play to like people shuffling in buying their merch like getting a good spot um whatever you know sometimes play to people like literally buying their pretzels you know like it it can be really uh sad at times this tour is not that um people have been showing up early and like actively engaging with us watching us like giving us their time and i think that's all you can really ask for uh as a band who's you know playing first uh so very content with how that's going awesome so it's been a few years now of you doing glitter touring as a full band like you had done the sort of laptop thing at first (laughs) um how has it kind of felt for you to reconnect with that side of yourself picking up a bass again feeding off other people again I mean, it's, it like feels the most natural to me. Um, it's funny because realistically it was not that time apart from, uh, from me being in a, whatever kind of full, excuse me, full band setup to returning to the full band setup. It was only like, I don't know, three, four years or something. But I remember there was a period of time when I was uh, filling in for ceremony and we did a show in Berlin and, uh, and I sang like backups at that show. And it was the, like, that was whatever, 2019. It was like a year since the last time I had played bass and sang. And that felt like, so like foreign to me at that moment. I was like, felt like I was like reconnecting with something that I had like lost a long time ago. Um, but then it, it just like took, I don't know, one more time of doing to be like, this is the only thing I know how to do. Like this makes so much more sense to me. And then once the band got put in place and once we started touring a little bit more, like it just felt like, I don't know. It it felt like 
exactly how I, I used to think it felt, you know, um, there's obviously changes, uh, and there's obviously, I think just personal changes as well. Like I play differently than I used to. Um, I move differently than I'm used to. It's just like, just a natural thing that happens with time. Um, and just being exposed to different things and feeling different things, but it, it, it feels just, I don't know. It feels like the most natural way I know how to play music. And I think that's a, a good thing. Uh, and so like, I feel, I feel content knowing that like, this is like the, where the road has taken me. So this new record rationale is the first made with this new band. Mm -hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about how the band came together. I mean, it came together very naturally, you know, um, the, the original idea for like expanding glitter was one that like an idea that was in flux. So we had played a show, uh, in wooks bear. Uh, I think it was December, 2019. And that was the first time glitter played with like a band. Um, and like half the set was just me and then the newer songs were with the band. And I was like, okay, maybe we're going to do this thing where it'll be like, sometimes I play and it's just me. Sometimes it'll be like a large band. Sometimes it'll be just a small group of people. And I was like trying to have this idea where it'd be like this kind of ever evolving kind of setup. Um, and then it was just like, I don't know, the pandemic hit and I was playing these songs by myself in a practice space. And I was like, this is too much. Like, I, I don't want to be like, I don't know, ringleader of this like project. I want to be like in a band. I want to be playing music with people. And I want to be like, I don't know, sharing that experience and collaborating with people. Because to me, that's like, that is the goal of music. And while it was like fun to divert from that from a little bit, it like, I quickly remembered. It's like, this is the thing that I like. And why am I not doing this? And at first, I mean, like there, there were some logical reasons at first because I was in school and I was like busy doing other things. And so I was just like trying to make music in the parameters that I had. But then when it was like, you know, I don't need to be doing it like this and I don't need to be like proving myself. Um, I just started to assemble the idea of doing a capital B band, you know? Um, and so the people that joined the band just kind of joined naturally um nicole who plays keys uh was is just a friend of mine and she played piano when she was younger um uh you know jonas who played drums who he's uh just in a bunch of bands in dc and we have mutual friends and i saw him play a bunch and just kind of like he he was interested in joining the band we started jamming and that worked out and then uh Connor, who used to be in the band, he, same thing, just like knew him from going to shows and stuff. And now our new guitarist, Mike, it's the, the same situation, like known each other for a while, been doing bands and stuff. And just like, we live in the same area and we see each other and like hang out and like, everybody's just, I don't know, we're all the same mindset. We just want to play music. We, we just want to, I don't know, do the things that bands do. And so it was just like a very natural kind of, I don't know thing that fell into place and it's just like i don't know i don't know of another way to do it you know it's not like we're not the the smashing pumpkins like hosting tryouts online and stuff like that like it it just feels like it it has to be a thing that feels like the real thing otherwise it like i don't really want to do it. it it's like this is not some uh i don't know 
some not not something I'm assembling to make like the perfect thing. It's like a band is supposed to be a band, and that's the only way I know how to do it. And I'm not going to do it any other way. Yeah, and I mean, there's just something I think that comes out of like actually being friends with the people you're playing with, rather than like you know hired guns or something yeah. that you can't replicate. Yeah, and it's I don't know. Maybe that's like idealistic of me because I I know other people who are in bands who like. Uh, I don't know, kind of need the hired gun situation or something, you know, like they, they want to be the band leader and like that works for them and that like, and they write good music that way. And like, if that's what the person needs, like, yeah, whatever. But the way that I understand music and the way that I want to play music, it's like, I don't know. It's this concept that I discovered when I was like 12 years old. And it's like, meet people who like the same things as you, like the same music, who have similar sensibilities you get in a room and then you write stuff that you like. And then you go play that music to people if you can. You know, it's like, it, it's so simple, but it, it's something that I'm like, yeah, this is like, this is in my mind the way that I want to do it. And like, I'm just going to pursue that. And if it like, you know, whatever, it's it gets increasingly harder as you get older because people have less time to give. People have more responsibilities. People can't necessarily like, I don't know, quit their job to go on tour like we did when we were, teenagers and stuff but it's like i i think it all these things make me appreciate it more and more you know it's like i i'm very appreciative of the fact that i get to play music um and get to travel and get to like you know just experiencing these things um and it's yeah i feel like i don't know the more time goes on the older i get i'm like i'm i'm very grateful to be able to do this yeah um now, I think like people probably from afar consider Glitterer to be like a your solo project. Was making this record like democratic the way, it, you know, it would have been in like Title Fight or any other band that you've been yeah, in? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I always push back against the term solo project because it's like, it it's not like a, a pejorative by any means, but it, it's like, it's a thing that has like a weird connotation, at least to me, where it's like, this is like a, a representation of a person's entire being. And to me, Glitter has always been like a band. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. Glitter is just like, this. Is, these are songs that I'm writing. This is not like me, you know. Um, it is it is like a part of me, but it is not everything. Um, and so it's like, I never wanted to be like, I don't know, this this like solo project or side project or whatever. It's just like, it's just a band. And so when other people came in the band, it's just keeping that same mentality moving forward. And it's like, yeah, the, I, I kind of only know like one way to write songs and it's like, have an idea, however big or small, like it could be just like a, a riff or a chord change or a vocal idea or something, or it could be like a much more fleshed out idea, bring it to practice, show it to everybody, get everybody's input and then just kind of, mesh things together and, and then flesh it, flesh it out. You know, it's like, it, it seems like so simple, but like it, it just makes so much sense to me. You know, it's like you just start with something and then you just build and build and, and just get everybody's input and just make everybody happy. And, and, and then once it feels like there is a complete idea, then you move on to the next thing. You know, I'm not like a big revision, like reviser. I'm not, uh, a big editor. I'm just like, I like to get ideas out, finish them and then keep moving, you know? And so that was kind of the process for this. And I guess maybe 
I would say it took us a little bit longer because we kind of were like learning each other's sensibilities in the process. Um, but it's like, I don't know, it felt the same as doing anything else, you know, which I think is a good thing. You know, it, it would probably be really difficult if it's like trying to fit, uh, you know, a square peg into a round hole or something. And, and I was like trying to do the old way and it wasn't working, but it, everybody just like, you know, seemed to, in, well, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to say enjoy the process, but like everyone seemed to understand the process and it worked and it like, it, it produced a batch of songs that we were able to make a record out of. So like, to me, that seems like it, it, it just all worked. And so like, yeah, I, I'm perfectly content with how that went. Yeah. And like, not to get all back in my day about it, but like, I feel like, especially just with the way music can be released and recorded these days, like there are so many bands that are functionally solo artists. And I just think like this sort of like the, what comes out of like bringing a song to a room with three or four other people and being like, here's my song. And now you put yourselves on it. Like it just makes something that otherwise couldn't exist. I feel. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't take like any strong stance against like people sure, whatever, right. being like <laughs> stern band leaders, you know, like it, it works sometimes, you know, like some people have great musical vision and they could like see everything that needs to be done and execute it and just have people do the things better than they can do them, you know, play the instruments that they are not necessarily well-versed in. And like, yeah, that's great. That's really cool. And it produces some really good songs, but it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm from where I'm from and I've like had the experiences that I've experienced, which have all led me to believe that it's like the, like whatever the hierarchy of music is like number one, playing music live, number two, being in a band. And I guess maybe those are like very like closely tied together, you know? And then three is just like everything else. And like, you know, but it's like the, the, the top of the mountain to me is like, having a thing that is, I don't know, a collaborative effort between people who respect each other and bringing that and like making it real by playing it in front of people. Yeah. Um, so on kind of a similar note, like when you started Glitterer, when it was just you, like now seven years ago, mm -hmm. I think, um, it was like, I guess what maybe I would call bedroom pop, you know, like, like clearly different from what you were doing in Title Fight, whereas I feel like over time, you've sort of re-embraced like the louder punk songs mm -hmm. uh, for lack of any other words, sure. I guess. Um, can you kind of tell me a little bit about your personal journey from sort of like moving away from like the louder rock stuff and then kind of arriving back at it? Yeah. I mean, I think at first it, it was an intentional departure just because it's like, I don't know. I was going through a lot of personal stuff at the time and I didn't want people to discuss it in a certain way. So in my mind, the easiest way to separate all that was to create a separation, you know? And so that was like, all right, I have like very tight parameters and those parameters are, I have a MIDI controller, I have a bass, I have a $20 two uh, channel interface and I could make these songs in my bedroom by myself, like while I'm not doing homework. And so it was just like, I, I had like, you know, just these things that I was trying to set out to do. And I was also like, I don't know, because I was going through whatever I was going through the, like 
it sounds so stupid and corny to say, but it's like the best way I know to like deal with those things is to make music. You know, it's like, that's what I've for better or for worse. That's what I've taught myself since I was a young kid. So it's just like, I just need to do something. So I would sit down and I would like do all these things. And I, I didn't want it to be talked about in the same sentences as like whatever title fight or something or like, or like, I just wanted to like, I just wanted to make music, you know, and like, whatever I knew, like my name was attached to it, which created whatever kind of connections, but it's just like, I was just trying to do something for myself really. Um, and so be, because I, I was like trying to, I don't know, just do with a certain thing and move away and do it within these specific parameters. I was, uh, I don't know. I, I was just trying to do it, it that way. And then the, the more songs I kept writing, I was like, I, I mean, like I, I like the early glitter stuff. I think it's like kind of weird um, for me personally. And I like, I was like, yeah, I, I like this, but it's like, it feels like it's missing something, you know? And when I started putting guitar over stuff, cause the first, whatever, 13 songs, I think only have, there's only one song with guitar on those. I think maybe two, but it's like, it's mostly just bass drum machine, whatever synth kind of keyboard thing and vocals. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I started putting guitar on stuff, I was like, I forgot how much I like this, you know, like, this is the thing. Um, this like loud, like whatever fucked up sounding guitar, like that was like what it made, uh, made the band feel like, I don't know, something that was, uh, I don't know, a little bit closer to like my subconscious, like musical foundation, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I like, that was around the time of, I don't know, wrapping up the the second EP, Not Glitter. And then when I went into writing the the first LP, Looking Through the Shades, then I was like, okay, yeah, I just need to embrace this because it's like I was trying to make some kind of, I don't know, make some kind of separation. But it's like, uh, who cares? Like, this is like music that sounds good to me. I just am going to write it. And if people are going to say what they're going to say, and like, I just want to like, I just want to write the things that make sense to me. And so... Yeah, like looking through the shades, it was like, it was mostly guitar driven stuff. Um, And it was like, that's when like the, I don't know, started using real drums in the records and stuff too. And it it became like, I was still trying to figure it out because I was still performing live as just like a person singing, you know. Um, But like the records were full band, like loud kind of things. Um, And it was just, I don't know. It was just a process of like figuring it out, figuring out sounds, figuring out like my own personal stuff, um, figuring out like what I wanted it to be and whatever, you know, and it's just like, I don't know. I think I was thinking way more at that time, you know, and now it's just like, I try not to think. I think that's like the, one of the big changes is like, uh, not that like I, I don't think there's thought that goes into the music, but it's like I I, I don't want to be like I need this kind of song. I need it to sound like this. I need it to fit like this kind of aesthetic. It's just like write the songs that sound good and then just move on from there. Yeah, and I feel like the new record. I mean, just from my perspective, like it sounds very natural for you. Like it sounds like you in 
like a comfort zone. I hope that not, I don't mean that backhandedly about other records, but it sounds like you being yourself, I guess. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I know what you're saying because it, it does feel like, I don't know. I think there's like a natural growth within the, the glitter discography so far. And this is, I don't know. This feels like a thing that makes sense in my mind, you know, um, it's just, it, it's, it, I just try to like tap into like, I don't know, songs that felt like they were in my head already or something, you know, which is, is a cliche in itself, but it's like, I don't know. It's a weird balance of like trying to work very hard and not work that hard, you know, of like finding the things that like are there naturally. Um, you know, it's like, I, I kind of do believe that there is like a musical subconscious inside of everybody, you know, it's like, and I don't know how it comes to be. I think it has to do with like, I don't know, things that you are exposed to as a kid, things that you gravitate towards, but it's like, there's like some kind of foundation of like stuff that just feels natural to people, you know? And growing up, like I was really drawn to melodic guitar music, you know? And so for me, a lot of this record is just like following that path of like, here's a guitar song with some melodic vocals on it, you know, just like keeping it in, in that, you know, wheelhouse um, and not trying to, I don't know, do something really, I don't know, drastically different or, or drastically the same, just trying to find what worked, you know? And uh, yeah, I, I think it was like a, a pretty easygoing natural thing. And, and I, I'm, I'm happy that that came across. Yeah, no. And I think, I mean, I totally agree. Like, I feel like there's just, it's like at some point in your life as like for a musician or any type of artist, it's like you develop just kind of like your bread and butter. And then I feel like you have the natural inclination to see how far you can take that. And I think not to say that like you always go back, but it's like, there's just some, like if you pick up a guitar and without thinking at all and like, what's going to come out when I play, I feel like it's certain people are going to have their version of what comes out when they play exactly, you know yeah. and like i exactly. think you yeah yeah that that is like the idea you know mm-hmm. um and obviously it changes because like i don't know as a, a fan of music like listen to new stuff all the time and seek new stuff out um and not just like new bands that sound similar to other bands that i like but like i don't know try to listen to like completely new things you know and that will change your foundation subconscious and it like will change your sensibilities and it's cool but it's like yeah i don't know i have things that i've liked since i'm like six seven years old you know and it's like i think a lot of this record is almost reverting to that state you know um yeah it it, it was a lot of like i don't know just just tapping into like that place of being like this is just what feels i don't know like normal and natural and and whatever for me to play right now. And just following that. Well, what would you say are maybe some of the new things you've come across in between the last glitter record and this one that maybe did like sway your natural inclinations in like a new direction? Yeah. Um, I mean, probably like early on to the time that the band was becoming like a proper full band, I was on a, a really big, kick of PA garage 45s, which, uh, I mean, it probably falls more into like the category of just like being really into the Beatles and like accepting that over the last couple of years and like becoming, I don't know, obsessed with them. But it's like, uh, 
I work at a record store when I'm home and we went to this guy's place in Pennsylvania, uh, kind of near Allentown to buy, like attempt to buy his record collection. And he was the self-proclaimed like king of Pennsylvania garage. And, and these are like, you know, 45s. They're like, it's just two songs, an A side and a B side. And it's just like made by a band who like whatever, probably just played like high school dances and like local parties and stuff. But they're all just like Beatles ripoff bands for the most part, like when they're their best. And they're just like high school kids or maybe a little bit older, just like weird local bands who are like completely forgotten for the most part, unless you're like a weird record collector. Um, mm. And like, it needs to be like 60s bands. Yeah, yeah. Mostly like yeah. mostly mid to late 60s, you know. And I was like mm. on a big kick of, of that. Um, uh, more recently, it's been, uh, I don't know more like ambient stuff and like kind of spiritual jazz and stuff like that. Um, uh, I've been on a big, uh, I don't know, Pharaoh Sanders kick for the last couple of years. Um, I've been, we've been listening to, to Laraji a lot in the van. Uh, that's a big hit. Um, you know, of course, like Brian Eno and stuff and Harold Budd, uh, uh, some Sonny Chirac and stuff like th- these are things that I've been into like recently. Um, you know, but it's like, yeah, I was listening to like whatever Pharaoh Sanders and, and John and Alice Coltrane and stuff, which like I don't think that like comes through in the records, but that like sense of like peace and like sense of like wholeness was definitely something that's like very appealing to me. Um, and and it's like I don't know how to necessarily achieve that with the same sonic stuff that like, I don't know, kind of distorted guitar music you know uh but yeah it's like trying to find some sort of intersection there um you know and and at the same time i don't know there's like it's like being into that stuff while also like going further into like late 90s hardcore um and like i don't know and stuff like that it's just like going in all different directions and somehow like it comes uh to a point where it's like i don't know distorted melodic guitar music i don't know you know sure yeah no i mean and tell me if you see it differently but like i feel like even for me like you know i spend a lot of my life in and around loud rock music and sometimes i need to just like go home and put a jazz record on and like kind of just remove myself and like not od on like the louder things mm-hmm. and yeah. like, I don't, yeah. Like, I don't know if, you know, if I were to form a punk band, we probably wouldn't sound like Pharaoh Sanders, but like there would be like the, okay, I need, like we've been on the road for a month. You see those bands every night when I'm getting in the van, I'm out listening to more shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's something about it where it feels like, I don't know. It, it does feel like a, a comforting break, you know, but it also feels like, something that i don't know you could tap into you know um and something that's like really kind of uh just super present and and super like thoughtful but at the same time you can uh almost like not listen to it you know like you could just like let it wash over you and like not pay attention and just kind of like let it uh be there in a weird way um 
And I, I think that is kind of like, like, to me, like melodic music has a similar goal. You know, like you don't want it to, for me, like I don't want it to like stand out. I don't want it to be like necessarily dissonant and like, and feel like, I don't know. I, I, I was going to say, I don't want it to feel antagonistic, but at the same time, like I do want it to feel antagonistic towards some things, but like musically, I don't want it to feel antagonistic. Um, you know, like I want it to feel just like you could just kind of put it on and feel like, I don't know, like comforted in a weird way. You know, like the things make sense. The puzzle pieces fit together nicely where it just feels like this is, this is a cohesive idea and it works and it's like, it's just there and you don't have to like sit there and like analyze it and like, think about what's going on. Like, it's just, you can sit there and like the song is a song and it makes sense. You know, like I like that even though like whatever there are melodic song, like, like a, I don't know, beach boy stuff where it's like super intricate. And it's like, it is not maybe something entirely that you could sit there and just like, let it wash over you because it's like so much going on and so many things changing and super intricate harmonies and, and everything. It's like, but I'm not smart enough to do that. You know, it's like, I need to take the approach where it's just like, yeah, simple, cool, done. I mean, I think there's just something to be said for a record that you can just toss on whenever and it's just like there and it's comforting. And like, I mean, even like the new Glitterer record, I've been listening to like the advanced copy and every time it ends, I'm always like, oh, it's over. Because it's kind of one of those like you do get a little bit in the hypnosis of it and then it just sort of like you're like surprised by the silence after. Um, but it's also one of those records like, you know, and I, you could say the same about Pharaoh Sanders, where it's like if you tune in you're like there's a lot happening here and i feel like there's something to be said for that mix of like i can toss this on whatever or i can pay attention to it and i can like hear a lot in it yeah i think that's like i don't know one of the goals for me you know and i think there's something subversive about that you know which is like i don't know kind of from like the dc school you know it's like things aren't laid out explicitly but they're there for you if you want them to be you know, um, and that's like, I, I think that's important to me, you know, like, I don't necessarily want to tell people what they should take away from anything, especially the stuff that I create, you know, or have a hand in creating. Um, but it's like, I, whatever people want to get out of it, like, I want them, want that to be available to them, you know, so it's like, yeah, if you want it to wash over you, put it on. If you want to like, look through the lyrics and like trying to figure out the through lines and like all these things that's also there for you, you know? And it's like, if you want to use this as like a, I don't know, whatever you need it for, like hopefully you can find that in it. You know? Um, I, I think that's, that's how I like to approach music. You know, I, I, there's obviously more than just that way. And I, I like other bands that are more explicit, but for me, I don't know. That's just my natural tendency to, I don't know. And maybe there's like, maybe I could be a little bit more explicit, but it's like, I just like people being able to have their own response to it. Like, I, I think the listener response in music is perhaps like the most important thing, you know, people feeling their feelings, like making their own connections, listening to it. That's, that's what like has attracted me to music, you know, like putting my own things onto songs and like having a connection and being like, this song is about like this thing to me. And if that, if the real song's not about that, like it doesn't matter. 
like it still helps me in that way and it like makes me feel those connections and i i don't know i like to think that glitter is able to do that as well for sure yeah and i mean like you said like there are some songs that are undeniably about one thing and it's very explicit mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of power in that but i personally love when it's like this song does this for me and means this to me and my friends like it means something different to me and i'm like that's cool like it probably doesn't even mean either one of those things to the person who wrote it exactly and that's cool too yeah yeah it's i i, I like that you know and and not that like i don't know that that feels like uh strangely like like a, a weird marketing ploy and like i swear right, it's not right. that you know it's like but it does sure. feel like oh that's like the easiest to consume kind of thing and that's also not the goal you know like I, I don't want things to be for everybody, sadly. You know, it's like, I want it to be for the people who want it. You know? mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just like, if something makes sense to you, that's what it is. Um, you know, like, I don't know. It's not like some universal idea of like, yeah, this song is about X, Y, Z, you know? And even when it is, I'd like to think that like, people can draw different things from it, you know? I don't know. Like, it's like if it's an explicitly political song, like it's, I don't know, politics are personal in a way, you know, and like you can, I don't know. I think that was like a big breakthrough for me was realizing like, I don't know, these like normal everyday emotions tie into the bigger system, you know, like and everything is connected in that way. And that's why it's like, I don't know, it felt liberating in a way where it's like, I feel like I can express my ideologies and like ideas in a way uh, that feels personal to me. And hopefully like people can, I don't know, put together the pieces and not feel like burdened by them if they don't do that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, cause you mentioned like the DC school of thought and like um, the members of your band are like DC Baltimore people. Are you living in the DC area? Yeah. Now? Yeah. I moved to DC in 2019. So like, you know, coming from, I mean, you come like from Wilkes-Barre, which has played such a part in a lot of the music you've written. And then obviously DC has this rich history. Like to what extent does living there, like, I mean, obviously you, I know that you are already into like discord bands, but like living there and stuff, like to what extent has that sort of like given you different perspective or shaped you as an artist? Yeah. You know, what's weird with Glitter is like at first, Glitter was like a very anti-place band. You know, like I was living in New York when the band started. I was still like obviously and still very am connected to Pennsylvania. And it's like, I just didn't know where I was. And I was like, I don't know. Like the, we're not singing about the Wyoming Valley. We're not singing about these things. It's just like, I don't know. We're just a band making music. And so it's like the, the where we're from is insignificant, you know. And then when I moved to D.C. in 2019, and kind of like, I mean, I've been going to DC since I was, I don't know, 17, 18 years old. And I've had, you know, uh, a, a friend group there, like since that time and still people that I hang out with and, and even work with now. Um, but it's like, I don't know, moving there made me feel like I understood the place and like understood the bands and the scene, like in a, in a much more real way. And I'm like kind of apprehensive about calling Glitter a DC band at times, just because we, I moved there after the band had started. We're like, you know, and while three fourths of the 
of the band are now like actual, you know, DC DMV people. It's like, I don't know. I feel like it's, uh, I respect the DC scene too much to be like, I don't know, using its name in vain in a weird way. But the things that I've taken I get away from yeah. being there are, are like really like the ways in which you do things, you know? And, and that's another thing is like, I, I wouldn't say glitter like explicitly sounds like a DC band, which is also a tough thing to pin down because there are many different DC sounds, you know? But it's like, I don't know. We are not a, a very groovy band, which is a big thing for DC. We are not like, uh, I don't know. We don't have like a certain kind of, uh, we, we don't like fit in a certain criteria that maybe like people would associate with DC, you know, but it's like talking to the people that I talk to while I'm down there and like, and like just seeing the way that people run bands and like operate in music. I'm like, okay, yeah, this just furthers my, like, I don't know, my passion for these things, like the way to do things in a intentionally subversive, like nearly antagonistic way, you know, of like, of, of doing things in the way that you want to do them, regardless of economic incentive of, I don't know, of popularity of whatever, like all these things are just like making things for and by the community, you know? And like that, those are the lessons that I've like, I've understood, but I feel like I've, I've like digested fully since being there, you know? And that's like, I think a really important part of this era of glitter. Now on kind of a similar note, so like, obviously this changes a bit as you become like a frequently touring musician, which you've been for a long time, but do you personally feel part of a particular scene at this moment in time? You know, what's weird is like, I don't know if I've ever felt that way. Um, I feel a member personally of a scene and I always like, I've, I feel like I'm, even though I don't, haven't lived there in a long time, I feel like I'm a member of the Wilkes-Barre hardcore scene. I feel like very personally connected to it and very personally like, um, I don't know, interested in its success. Um, uh, I feel now like I'm a member of like the DC punk scene, um, whatever that means, you know, like, like I go to shows when I'm home my friends are in that world. I support these bands and these like venues and, and zines and all these things. Like I care about that. But in terms of like a band, I feel like glitter and title fight for that matter have never really had like, I don't know, a, a group, a large group of bands that like we really connected with um, and felt like a similarity to, which is not, I could, okay. Not entirely true for title fight. Cause we did have like, we had friends, but like, uh, I don't know. It just felt like there was always like a kind of a, a scene within that world that exists that I've never felt a part of, you know? Um, and maybe that's just my own personal insecurity, you know, to be fully, uh, you know, forthcoming with that. It's entirely possible. This is just all a projection, but it's like, yeah, it feels like there's a thing that exists and it feels like I'm always on the outside looking in. You know, and it's just, um, that's okay at the same time. You know, it's just, it's, it's just how I feel. Um, and it, it kind of, I don't know, it drives me to want to play music more sometimes because it's like, I always feel like I'm trying to prove myself. You know, it's like, I just want to, I just want to write good music. I want to write music that I care about and I think is like worth listening to 
at least for myself, you know? And so it's like, because I feel like we don't have, uh, and, and you know, again, this, these are my personal feelings. This is not necessarily the sure. truth because I feel mm-hmm. like we don't have the support from like a, a group of bands, like cheering us on and being like, Oh man, that's sick. And I always feel like I have to go like harder, you know? But yeah, that this these are like the thoughts of a sick man, you know. Like this is a these are things that are like not uh, necessarily uh, I don't know real to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Would you say it's like any level of imposter syndrome? Yeah, to a certain extent. I think that's very natural, you know. But it's also I don't know. I think it's more to do with like feelings of uh, like isolation you know and i think that i think if you listen to any music that i've written since i'm 13 you could like you could see it's there you know um which is weird because i come from a i don't know a pretty a, a nice setup you know uh of a very loving family unit a very great group of friends um but yeah it's it's always the thing of feeling like I don't know, an outsider or something. I mean, I do think it's really, it's probably more universal than people realize. And partially because I think not everyone is as brave to admit it the way you just did. Um, But like, like, I don't know, like, like it's, I, there are so many ways in which I feel that like, not to make this about me, but like, just for example, like I live in Queens and I feel like a lot of the music that I really resonate with is not from New York city also because it's really hard to have a band in New York city right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I like, I, yeah. So like even living here, I'm a little bit like, am I in the wrong place? Am I not cool enough to like, like, you know, like, sh- like if I were to drive, I don't have a car, but if I were to like get a car and drive to Philly or something and see a show there, would I be like, what's the New Yorker doing here? You know? Like, yeah. so e- even just on that level. And then as well as of course, like, you know, especially when it comes to something like the hardcore scene, you're just like, there's just this the constantly reinforced feeling of like, you have to be cool enough to be here. And like, I very frequently am like, there's no way I'm cool enough to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think everybody, you know, falls somewhere on that spectrum. And I feel like most of the people mm-hmm. that I really connect with are people who fall more towards like the insecure side, you know? Right, right. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I think, I, I think it's fairly natural, you know? Um, and also I think, a big part of like the the project of glitter at the beginning was trying to trace the way in which like these feelings of like isolation led to a larger political problem. You know, like, like looking through the shades was largely about like the ways in which like this solipsistic kind of like selfish attitude took us to like the Trump era, you know, because I think that there is like a healthy response, potent- like, I don't know. I don't want to frame it in a way like a healthy and unhealthy, like there's only two options, but it's like, I think there is a healthier response where it's like, you feel isolated and hopefully that like, that makes you want to be closer to other people or something, you know? And then there's an unhealthy, an unhealthier response where it's like, you feel like you're the only person who exists and you don't care about anybody else. And you're just trying to get what's yours and you don't care when other people are fucked over or, you know, whatever. And it's like, I feel like that's, we're largely where the American culture was going where it's like, everybody's just looking out for themselves. Everybody's like 
I don't know. Everybody thinks that they're like, uh, I don't know, a company or a business or something and forgets that it's like, we are all human beings who have needs that like, and oftentimes when we are treating ourselves as businesses, like we're not taking care of those things. And when businesses think of us as businesses and things of like to fuel their income, then yeah, it's like nobody's going to feel connected. Nobody's going to feel like they have like people who care for them and like people then are not going to care for themselves. And I personally felt like that was like a very dangerous thing. Um, and I do not like that. And so it's like, for me, in large part, the community around music is supposed to be this like idealistic thing where we don't care about, I don't know, anything other than like the people, you know? And so I, I hold on to that very strongly and try to like, I don't know, try to, I don't know, make sure that exists, you know, in the, the places that I exist in or like, or just at least advocate for it, you know? Um, but it's, it's, it's challenging, you know, it's like, it feels like an uphill battle, especially like in the modern era, but it's like, I don't know. I really do care about that. And so I just continue to think about it way too much. I mean, I feel like in many ways, like the DIY scene or DIY community, especially the one that title fight was part of for many years is like kind of this way of like, to some extent, like being like, like having like communist and socialist values with underneath the context of like, you still are in a capitalist society. And like, I feel like, I don't know, not to get like too whatever about it, but I feel like there's some level of like, we want to treat our friends and our bands and our fans and the people putting on the shows and the people renting the PA in like sort of like a very communal fashion. But like, then there's the very dark reality of like, none of this happens if you don't acknowledge that you're also like in capitalist America. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. The, to, to zoom out. Yeah. That is like the whole thing, you know, um, we are a band. We have rent to pay when we go home. We have, a van that needs gas, you know, like all these things. Like I, I, it, I hate to feel like it's transactional. Um, and maybe this is all some weird thing that I do to protect my, myself, my like precious little fragile ego to feel like I am not just, uh, I don't know, some capitalist businessman who's like justifying selling a shirt for however much, you know? And it's like, I don't know. The bands that I've been in, like we have long in-depth conversations about the prices of things. Like I care very much about making things affordable for people from, you know, the shows to the, whatever the merch to the records. Like I care about making these things accessible. If people want them, I care about all these things. Like how much of this is just me being like, I don't know. I got to pay my rent. I got to sell like X amount of these things. You're like, it's, I, I hate like these realities of it, but it's also like, these are the realities, you know? Um, yeah, but it is, yeah. The, the goal is always like taking care of one another, you know? Um, and I don't want it to be a thing of, it's like, I don't know, you know, uh, you have to put your oxygen and mask on before helping other people. I don't want it to be that. Um, but it's really hard to figure out how to like, how to help everybody put their oxygen mask on. You know, um, I don't know. This is like the the eternal struggle. 
Yeah. And I'm curious what you think, but like, you know, I mean, certainly in New York, 10 years ago, I could name you like seven or eight cool DIY venues that I went to all the time. Now I can, I can literally think of zero. I get the sense that it's different in the Baltimore DC area, but like for your perspective and, you know, like to what extent do you think the DIY scene as we knew it 10, 15, 20 years ago, to what extent, like, does it exist and can it exist? Uh... I think it's, I don't know, this is a really difficult question. Um, my I, like perspective on this whole thing is I think a lot of the problem comes from people in DIY or whatever you want to call it, like even like independent music scenes adjusting their values to be the values of mainstream like uh major label music business and so they've adapted these business like models you know in scare quotes where it's like uh i don't know the bands and the people making things and like the communities are the last people to get money um and so i it's created like And this goes back to like, I don't know, I have this whole thing about like uh, in the 90s when like, you know, post Nirvana, when like everybody breaks through, it's in large part, it feels like to me that the DIY scenes were kind of like killed, not around that time, but like because of that, because like everything was wiped out and replaced with these like these fake major label systems that like, you know, most independent distributors are like dead, you know, or at least the ones that exist operate in a way that's like the same thing as every other major label distributor, which is like, I don't know, most touring networks have been replaced with, uh, I don't know, things that act like mini live nations and AEGs and stuff. And like, all these things are like, in my mind, super problematic because these are systems that care about investors and profit growth and like things that punk is supposed to be in opposition to, you know? And so it's like, I do think that there like, there can be successful DIY networks still. I truly believe that. I think the problems that are presented now are really difficult because when DIY systems started, they just kind of like created something out of nothing, it feels like, and they were able to create entirely new systems. Um, The problem is now that those systems were replaced, you know, again, by these other systems. And so in order to like return to a, like a true DIY state, a true independent state, we have to like dismantle these existing systems and rebuild them the way that we want them built. Um, And I feel like a lot of people just like the ease of the way things are now, you know, it's like nobody really wants to put in the effort of like, I don't know what the alternative to Spotify would be, but like nobody wants to put in the effort to like, not just go on their phone, click whatever they want to click and listen to something. I don't know. Like, I don't know how you're going to change people's like 
wants to be like, no, I know this system is unfair and detrimental to the thing that I love. So I need to do the more difficult thing. It's like, I don't know. That's like a hard, that's a hard sales pitch, you know? Um, But I feel like punk is like, I don't know, is something that ideally people will pursue because it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say it without sounding like like a pretentious asshole, but like with because it's like the cool, right, like just thing to do, you know. And maybe maybe there's like things that don't exist in in the punk scene that like have these ideologies um, that I'm not aware of, you know, because it's like like the cultural cachet of loud guitar music is also not what it was, you know. So it's like maybe there are these spaces that we don't know exist um, and they're thriving. Uh, But like, I don't know. I happen to like loud guitar music and like, and I I happen to feel very, uh, I don't know, close to that thing. And so it's like, I'm always going to be advocating for that world, you know? Um, But really like anything that has those ideas, like I'm on board for it. And I think what you're saying, like, I think it comes back to that sort of, reckoning with the dark reality of like you're still in capitalist america because it's like yeah like if i look at something like spotify or i'm sure you've heard like the state of the music journalism industry yeah where it's like everything is bought up by corporations and you know and you're like how can we save it and i feel the same about like with you know like i like i use spotify and hate it you know like just because it's like it feels like to to rebel and be like i'm gonna not do it because it sucks and I think it's wrong and I know there's a better alternative. You feel like an, it's a little scary. It's scary to say like, do I want to commit to living that outside of the norm, I guess. Like, I hate to say it that way. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I don't use streaming services, you know, like mm-hmm. I am anti them. Uh, I, th- I think they're pretty evil. Uh, if that, sorry, if that gets us uh whatever bad playlist, uh, like whatever. Um, but it's like, it, no, it's like, I, I don't look down on people for using streaming services or for like whatever, or for bands playing live nation shows or something, you know, like we played one last night and they gave us the Willie Nelson bucks. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what to do. It's just, I, I want other people to like, feel it is worth fighting the fight, you know? Um, and that's the problem. It's just like, it, it's so easy to be complicit. And I, I don't say that as like a, a slight at people, you know, like I, I don't think that, I don't know, the people who do these things are bad. I just want there to be an alternative. You know, like it doesn't, we don't all have to be lining the pockets of some multinational conglomerate. You know, like, I just like to think that there is a way to do it. Um, just, yeah, I don't know. Hope, hope, like, maybe one day it'll happen, you know? Like, a, I, I'd like to think so. Well, to, to bring it back to your new record, um, there's a, a quote in the press release for the album where uh, I'm just going to read it because it ties right into all this. You had said, uh, in my post-COVID haze, 
the earliest song I wrote for Rationale, It's My Turn, was about getting a job. A lot of the subsequent songs continued in that territory, wondering about what I should be doing, trying to figure out my purpose, both philosophically and vocationally. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I feel like some of these thoughts maybe are in some of those thoughts too. Yeah. It, it, yeah, this is like the, I don't know, my current psyche, you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it's like, yeah, all these things tie together, you know, because it's like, as we're stating, like we, we, we live in a system where like, yeah, we have to make money. We have to do these things. Um, my kind of like, I don't know, my like big light bulb idea was this idea of like our passion and purpose, these kind of like. I don't know, capitalistic prison bars. Like, are these these things that were sold to keep us like fighting for some idea that doesn't exist so that we are content existing in the system? You know, it's like, I felt like, I don't know. I had this point in, I don't know, sometime in like 2020 or 2021. And I was talking to my parents about this. and like, I don't know why we need jobs. I, I cannot connect the dots in my brain anymore of like, why do we need to do this? Like, I understand that like we have responsibilities to things and like we have responsibilities to other people and to ourselves to like keep ourselves fed and housed and like healthy. And those things are important, but it's like there are not enough things for people to do to show up every day, 40 hours a week, nine to five. Like there are not enough important things in the world that like all these people need to be doing all these things all the time, you know, and not to, I don't know. I don't mean that as like a a diss to people who go to like whatever standard office job, because that would be my thing. If I wasn't doing this, like I would just work an office job and just, I don't know, fuck off and like try to watch YouTube as much as I could. Like (laughs) that, I don't know. That's kind of the dream I feel like, but yeah, it's this thing. It's like, where if we're all, if we were all only successful, if we find our passion and like thrive in it, it's like, I feel like that's like a really lonely, really sad kind of like goal. I think we need to be much more content in just like trying to be a human being, you know? And it's like, and at the same time, I'm saying all of this while being like, music is the only thing that makes me happy and I'm going mm-hmm. to pursue it even if it means that my life is hectic and annoying and like stressful, you know, it's this, this attempt to try and like have both of these thoughts at the same time, you know, um, where I recognize like, this is stupid. I don't understand it and be like, man, if I don't get to play music, I'm going to explode. Like Mm -hmm. I need to do this thing. Otherwise I feel incomplete and sad and be like, Oh, but this is the same thing as this other problem that I have, you know? Um, and that is like kind of the foundation for the entire thematic arc of the record, you know, if there is one, you know, it's, it's the, it's like trying to come to terms with these oppositional ideas. I also feel like on that sort of thought process of like, why do we need jobs? And like, you know, when you choose a creative field, like being in a band and you know, like this means struggling and you know at some point it means sleeping on floors or having a candy bar for lunch it's like i on a similar note of like why do we need jobs i often sort of also think about like why are we so 
collectively convinced that this stuff is less important. You know, like, I mean, I, I had this sort of like, again, this is, might sound a little hippy dippy, but I was in Asbury park and there was like this, like yacht rock review cover band was playing. Like I was like just on the boardwalk, like I could hear it. Um, and there were like all these totals. They started playing. You can call me Al by Paul Simon. And everybody on the boardwalk like immediately saw what they were doing and like dance and saying. And I was like, that was beautiful. Like, why is that less important than like finance? You know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, the, and I think this kind of goes back to like the Spotify argument as well. You know, it's like mm -hmm. when we want to devalue music and art and whatever and, and writing and like just any of these things, it's like people are going to feel very quickly that it's like, they're, they don't want to pay for it if they could get it for free or $10 a month or whatever it is. You know, it's like, and it's weird because at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I had this thought last night when we got, we got paid for the show. I was like settling with the promoter and it's like, are we really worth this amount of money? Like we played for like 30 minutes. It's like, this is such a weird transaction of being like, I don't know. We provided this service that is not really quantifiable but it's like, this is our value. Uh, I don't know. It's like, a, like, I don't know if it's really worth that much, but at the same time, it's like, you should be paid what you're worth. You know, like you, like mm -hmm. that I think is like a, a, an interesting fight is like not being uh, I don't know. I don't know a nice way to say it. Not like being like a jerk with like money, not being like a price gouger, but at the same time getting what you deserve. You know, it's like, I think if, if people also had that mentality where it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to pay $50 to go see a show. That seems like obscene to me, you know, have I done it? Yeah. Will I do it again? Yeah, of course. But it's like, if things could be more accessible, then hopefully, it, I mean, this is like a huge, like house of cards that I'm building in my mind right now. But it's like, okay, sure. if things are affordable, if we get rid of these other, like, I don't know, businesses uh, who are like trying to get their hands in the pot, if we do all these things and it's like, then that's how the, whatever, the Fugazi $5 show model works. You know? mm -hmm. Because it's like, they are in complete control and it makes it so that they could set the price, get the money that they deserve for the people coming and that they could live and it also makes it that other people don't have to like break the bank to go and see it you know um but i don't know these these are all like i feel like i'm rambling at this point of like no i mean we could definitely probably go all day so um let me ask about another art form speaking of art forms being valued um something that's been pump popping up a lot more in your life is books yeah because you you have a novel and the title rationale comes from martin Riker's novel the guest lecture mm -hmm. um and i remember when you did the last glitter record too you had made like a list of influences behind it for bv and it was like five records in one book yeah i put a testimony so my sort of question yeah. yeah so my question is like as someone who not only is clearly well read but also a novelist um to in what ways do you find writing music and writing books either are similar or different and, 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 and to what extent do you feel like you bring um, influence from one field to the other? It's, I, I feel like they're really different for me. And that's just like the way that my, my brain works in those creative processes, processes, um, because it's like, 
kind of going back to like the the idea of like the musical subconscious you know it's like i kind of feel like playing music is something that i could do without thinking you know like i could come home from work and be burnt out and i can sit on the couch and play my bass and like watch whatever's on the tv and not think about it and stumble upon a good like musical idea you know like i don't have to be thinking while i'm doing that uh but with like writing prose I was like very intentional. Like I would wake up and try to write from nine till noon every day for like, you know, a, a good series of weeks to like really flesh out the, the book that I wrote, um, you know? And so like, those are like, in, in that regard, I feel like it's just different parts of my brain. And also there's a part of it where I feel like the kind of, I don't know, l- lyric writing for me is also way different than, prose writing because I am very, I don't know, fixated on the idea of a pretty rigid meter and rhyme pattern. And I don't feel that way in prose, obviously. So it's like, uh, I don't know. So there's like, there, there are these things that are like different. Um, and also I, I think for me, maybe the biggest thing is like the, and, and I guess this also goes back to like the first part of my answer, but it's, the uh the the kind of like initial thought that goes into the the writing process um i like lyrics to kind of just like flow naturally and kind of figure it out and kind of like refine them towards an idea that kind of like presents itself whereas with prose i really try to set out with an idea and accomplish that through words you know so it's kind of like same end goal, different order, you know? Um, but also it's like music really informs my, my affinity for books and like books inform the way in which I like interpret and analyze lyrics. Um, and so it's like, it's like a weird disparate yet symbiotic relationship, you know? Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. And like, also, I mean, like, especially what I would imagine just from the way you're talking about writing lyrics is like, so much of it too, is of course, like, the sort of way it's emoted, like you could like, like, I feel like there are powerful songs where if you just read them on paper, they're almost missing words. Yeah. But it's like, you, yeah. Like, lyrics are kind of three dimensional. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that mainly because of the the actual like performance of them um i think for me like melody is huge like i i think the way in which notes move can connote feeling and like ideas Mm -hmm. in a way that like emphasizes or even sometimes subverts the lyrics um i think that's really important uh and so it's like yeah, th- there's a totally different dimension. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, in a way, that's why I feel like songs can be short and books kind of have to be long. Because you have to go like the extra step by really explaining and really like drawing out these situations and ideas. Whereas like music, you have other things that you can do. And so it's like, I don't know, you could have a 20 minute record that gets an idea across. And that would have to be like, I don't know, 60,000 words or something in prose. Um, 
but it, at the same time, it's like, I like, I like both of those things, you know, like, uh, I, you know, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're just like, they, they, they can accomplish similar things, but it feels like the different paths kind of create different experiences. For sure. Yeah. Um, so one last thing I wanted to ask about is, um, you recently did an interview with Norman Brennan for the antimatter. Yeah. Uh, you spoke in it about the fact that you never used the words hiatus and broken up mm-hmm. for title fight, which then there were people who took that as some kind of tease. So my question for you is, were you cognizant of the fact that by answering in that way, that could then be taken a certain way? And also, were you frustrated at all with the way it was taken? Or was it just like, I knew that going in anyway? Uh, kind of yes to every part of the question, <laughs> you know, like, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if it comes across, but I'm like, uh, I, I feel that I am like, uh, a somewhat like anxious, overly analytical person. So I think about these things a lot. Um, and I also like, I field these questions a lot, just like in my personal life, like at the merch table, like this is something I deal with all the time. Um, and so like, I, I kind of know what's going on. Uh, and also I, I, I think not any interpretation, but like a lot of interpretations are just frustrating because, uh, I don't know, you have your own idea of what something means and like, no matter what, somebody's going to interpret that differently, just through their own lens, through their own experiences, whatever. And that's like, uh, it feels like frustrating in a way where it's like, I know what I'm saying and I know what I'm thinking. And then somebody sees the same exact thing that I thought meant this one thing. And they're like, Oh, it means this other thing. But the same could be said about like any part of this conversation that we just had, you know, it's like the way in which language is confused and stuff, which I think is a really interesting thing, but it's especially frustrating when it happens to you. Um, But it's like, I don't know. I'm a, I don't know. I'm a human being. I have feelings. I have, you know, like, I have my own personal experiences with these things that are probably never going to be on paper and will never be publicly stated. It's like, like my relationship with title fight is, I don't know. I don't want to quantify it and I don't want to like make it. I don't know. I don't want to center myself in it, but it's like, I kind of feel like it might, the members, all the members of the band's relationship with the band is probably the most complex of anybody. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I have a lot of feelings and it's like something that I care so deeply about because it's, I don't know, it's a huge part of my life. And it's, it's something that I really, I don't know, informed my like concept of self and of the world and whatever, like all these things. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just like something that, I feel like is always going to be misunderstood because I feel like I have all these conflicting feelings about it, you know? And it's also just like, I don't know. It's, it's just a weird thing. Um, you know, I just, I like playing music and I'm, I'm happy to have the opportunity to, to continue to do so. And I, and I, you know, I'm happy to be on tour. I'm like so thankful to, to be able to play music with my friends in front of people like that's, I don't know, that's the coolest thing in the world to me. And so 
Um, it just, it's, it's like a, an odd thing to have like these experiences uh, like that I'm having today on tour, whatever, doing a new record, like all these things, and then have people like trying to hold me accountable for their interpretation of things that happened however many years ago, you know, but this is, uh, this is my life and that's fine. I, I do not resent it and it's whatever. It's just, yeah. I'm also, uh, I hope people don't expect uh, whatever kind of answers from me, which is what I have to deal with at the merch table sometimes. Um, but it's like, I don't know. I, I think if I could offer like anything to, to anybody about this whole like intentional liminal limbo that we've put people in, it's like, if you want something, just make it yourself. You know, if you want title fight, write a song that you like more than title fight, whatever. If you don't like glitter, write a song that you like better than glitter, whatever. Like I want people to be selfish in their artistic endeavors because I am. And I think that's like, I want to write the music that means the most to me. Um, and I think that's like kind of what this whole thing is, you know, of like making things that you like for the community, for your people, for your friends. Um, you know, like that's whatever the, the crux of this whole conversation is like, do the things that you want to support the people that you like, you know? Yeah. Um, well, one takeaway that I had, and this may frustrate you, um, is um, I like that people want to know, is Title Fight broken up? Is Title Fight on hiatus? Is Title Fight ever going to reunite? And I kind of like that you're like, you need to be okay not knowing the answer to that question. Yeah. I, that's like kind of how I took it a bit. Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, I, I like that interpretation. That does not frustrate me. But it's like, there we go. people want these rigid definitions. And it's like, not mm -hmm. everything is easily definable not like i don't know and that's funny coming from a person who's like fairly fascinated with language you know um <laughs> and it's not like i don't think there's a word that explains our situation or whatever it's just like i don't really know what it is and i don't, I don't, I don't know i'm not gonna like sit here and think for 30 minutes of like what the the perfect word to explain the situation is it's just like i don't know it's we're, we're just not anything at the moment. And uh, the music is there. If you want to listen to it, the music is still there. I think that's another big part of it is like, I don't want to change the way that people interact with the music. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say like whatever word to make people feel a certain way. I just want to like the music is there. It's still available for anybody to listen to it for $10 a month on Spotify you know, like they could do all the, like, I, I just want people to engage with it if they want it. And it's like, that that's the thing, you know? Um, and these other questions, like whatever people can hold me accountable and I'll, I'll answer the questions begrudgingly, but it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just a thing. I don't know. And I think that really is one of the most beautiful parts about music. It's like, like you mentioned the Beatles earlier. Um, I don't know if you know Rob Sheffield's book, Dreaming the Beatles. No, but, that's um, it's, it's really good. And it's the sort of like, I don't know if this is reductive, but like the sort of TLDR is it's not really like about the Beatles career. It's more about 
the way that society has loved the Beatles for the 60 years since they've been broken up. Yeah. And it's like, and that's the thing. It's like the Beatles have not existed ever in my lifetime or your lifetime, but they've existed in our lives a lot. Yeah. And, I, and it's like the music does that. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, listening to title fight records, 10, 12, 15 years after they're out, you hear them differently and you experience them differently. And it's like, people want to know like, will I ever see you live again? But like the story isn't done. Like the story is still happening all the time. If the records exist and they do. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that's like a, a big part of, I don't know, engaging with things. You know, it's like, I don't know. You, you have the ability to like, listen or read or watch these things and form your own connections to them. And that is the, like maybe more powerful than the art itself. Um, you know, and it's like, yeah, I, I want people to have, I want people to have that with whatever they want. You know, uh, I just feel, I don't know. I, it, it, I, I'm content with the fact that people have, continue to engage with whatever records that I wrote a long time ago, records that I've written recently, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. That is something that like, I'm very humbled by. Well, on that note, thanks so much for coming on the show. Is there anything you want to plug or shout out or say that we haven't talked about before uh, we head out? No, I, I, I'm, uh, thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Hey, thanks again to Ned. Thanks so much for listening. Go check out the new Glitterer record, Rationale, out via Anti Records. And hey, if you like what you heard, you know, give us a good rating, like, subscribe, tell your friends about us. All those little things go a long way, and we really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. See you next time. <laughs>